do ministry with your loved one, your better half, your life mate. And so I'm grateful for Connie and uh, for the, uh, I believe, Brother Jason, 34 years so far of marriage. I say so far because I'm hoping this is just the halfway, the halfway point for us. Well, let's uh, get started. And uh, the best way to get started is to what? Pray. So let's pray, shall we? Father, now your people have come anticipating your voice to be heard in their spirit. Lord, we ask that you would move among this congregation uh, today to challenge some, to pride others, to draw all men and women to yourself. And when you do that, we'll be careful to give your name the praise. We pray for uh, our lead pastor, Pastor Steve, and his dear wife, Kathy. Uh, we ask that uh, you would be present in their life and protect them, and minister to them while they're away. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen and amen. Well, Ipsy Free, today... I would like to speak on what I hope is a very familiar subject to us all, and that is prayer, prayer. So let me start off with the presupposition that prayer is not difficult to understand. It's difficult to do. Did you hear that? Uh, let me say it again. Uh, prayer is not difficult to understand. It's difficult to do. Uh, let me ask you, when was the last time your heart so grieved for those you were interceding for that your entire body agonized along with your mind and heart. That your heart was so heavy and your emotions so strong that you couldn't formulate your words nor complete the prayer. Uh, Hebrews 5, 7 puts it this way. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Folks, wouldn't you agree with me that we are a generation that avoids pain at all costs? And you see, that correlates to why there are so few intercessors, prayer warriors, if you please. 
Uh, Henry Blackaby says, most Christians operate on the shallowest levels of intercessory prayer. But God wants to take us to a deeper level of intercessory prayer that only few experience, unfortunately. Uh, let's face it, folks. Deep, prolonged, intercessory prayer is painful. It's painful. Why? Because it involves staying before God when everyone else has gone away or are asleep. Remember what uh, Connie just read in Luke 22, if we put that up on the screen there, Luke 22, 45. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. You see... It involves, that is, prayer involves experiencing brokenness with the Father over those who continually rebel against him. And, and, and I hope we all, including yours truly that's standing up here, experience this kind of fervent praying. Truth be told, though, we all long for Pentecost in our lives and in the life of the church. That is the outpouring of the Spirit of God upon all flesh. But the fact of the matter is that there is no Pentecost without Gethsemane and the cross. You see, Jesus said it in Matthew 16, 24. If you want to be my disciples... You need to deny yourself, that is, die to self. Take up your cross and follow me. So, FC Free, the million-dollar question is, how do we become mature in our prayer life? How do we become mature in our prayer life? And this is a rhetorical question, folks. How does one mature in their driving? By what? By driving. Plain and simple. How does one mature in their cooking? By what? Cooking. By Brother Malcolm, with me, I've burned enough food now that I know that you don't keep it on for 30 minutes, but you, you, you take it off after 20 or 25 minutes. That's because I've burnt enough food. You learn how to play a sport by, in fact, playing it. I, I love what our sister Deshana said uh, uh, last Sunday, I believe it was, about uh, 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 pumpkins. That she had two pumpkins that she harvested, I believe she said, this harvest season, but because of repetition, 
she's going to have a bumper crop next year. And, and Jason likes that. I, I see that. Yes. And, and so, but my point being is, is that you mature by doing what you need to be done. And so in the same way, in the same way, you, you mature in your prayer life by what? By praying over and over again. Uh, many of you know that uh, Connie and I are grandparents of a darling three-year-old, okay? And we love her. We love her. Uh, and uh, uh, Brother T Tim, uh, is he, where is Brother Tim at? He may not be. Okay, that's, that's all right. I, when I saw Lemuel up there, my heart rejoiced because you see, I'm hoping that I'll live one day to see little Amber. She's three years old right now. To see little Amber understand. They, uh, the theologians call it the age of accountability. That little Amber will someday come to the realization that She's a sinner. That Jesus died for her sins. And that by accepting Jesus, she has eternal life. That, that's, that's my prayer, folks. That's, that's what I want to see. And so to that extent, me and Connie, has, we've had the privilege of babysitting our three-year-old. And... As was said earlier, you mature in anything by doing it over and over and over again. So, so as she was growing up, she watched granddad and grandma, dad and mom, pray. That, that's one of the things she saw us doing. Praying over, over meals, praying at family gatherings. And so now, now you learn how to drive by driving. You learn how to cook by cooking. So now I've asked her, Brother Peter, to pray. We're talking about a two-year-old, two, two-and-a-half-year-old at this point. But she's watched us, is my point. She's watched us pray. So she bowed her head, and all she says, if she free, is Jesus, God. That's all she says. That, that's all she says. Jesus, God. Now we're talking about a two-year-old now. And you know what? The fact of the matter is, she's not talking to me. She's talking to God. That's what prayer is all about. So, so now, she's just started school, Sister Daphne. She just started school, preschool. So we don't have her as much as we used to. So we had her just recently, and we were gathered at the table to eat, and she knows our custom that we pray before we eat. 
So granddad asked her to what? To pray. And I was expecting, Sister Kathy, the norm. She bows her head and she says, Jesus, God. That's it. That's what I was accustomed to. So granddad raised his head because I was ready to eat. But she kept on going. She kept praying. Didn't understand what she was saying. But that doesn't matter. She's not talking to me. She's talking to God. So granddad patiently waited until she said amen. When she said amen, my mind had to go back to the fact that she used to pray, Jesus, God. But here's the point, folks. As you mature in anything, you get better at it. As you mature in your driving, at least you should, what? Get better at it. And our desire, both parents, both grandparents, is to see her one day, perhaps on that screen, like Lemuel, saying that she's given her life over to Jesus. And she wants to now be baptized. But again, my point being is you mature in your prayer life by praying. But, but you see, folks, maturity also is revealed in our prayer life when we understand that many times we won't feel like praying. But those are precisely the times we ought to pray. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say there's no shortcuts to prayer. There's no shortcuts to prayer. There's no books to read. There's no seminars to attend. No inspirational models that you can memorize that will transform your intercessor prayer life. This comes, please hear this folks, this comes only by committing oneself to pray and then doing it, plain and simple. You don't have to be a Rhodes Scholar. What is the slogan that Nike has? Just do it. That's how you learn, period. You do it. So, so, so let's look at three Three biblical characters this morning that involved intercessory prayer in their lives and what we can learn from those three individuals. First of all is Hannah. Hannah. Many of you know the story. Hannah was married to Achanah, but Achanah was also married to Peninnah. 
Now, Peninnah was, was very fertile. She, she had children, the scripture says. It, it, it doesn't identify how many children, but she had children, the scripture says. Hannah was barren. She had no children, but she wanted, she wanted children. She wanted children. In fact, she wanted a son. She wanted a son. Uh, and uh, if you have your Bibles or your, your, your technological uh, instruments, if you want to follow along, 1 Samuel chapter 1, starting at verse 9, let's pick up there. Once, and you don't need to stand for this, once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now, Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And no razor will ever be used on his head. So, so what can we learn? What, what can we learn from that intercessory prayer? First of all, that prayer should be specific at times. Sometimes I get it. It has to be general. Just a few moments ago, I prayed the pastoral or congregational prayer. I don't know specific needs out here, but I'm sure there are. But when you know specific needs, you need to pray specifically for those needs. If you know Tyrone is sick, you specifically pray, Lord, touch Tyrone's body and heal him. If you know Valerie needs a job, you say, Lord, bless Valerie with a job. And if she, Valerie has already given you the particular job that she's interviewing for, use that as well. Point being that you can be specific in your prayer life. Hannah was specific. She didn't pray a mist. She didn't say, Lord, whatever you give me, I'll be satisfied. No, 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 no. Hannah prayed for a son. She prayed for a son. And she said that if you give me a son, if you give me a son, I'm going to give him back to you. And no razor will ever touch his head. So, so, so we see here in, in Hannah's prayer that, first of all, it's specific. She's asking for a son, folks. She's asking for a son. We can be specific in our prayer life. But secondly, we see here that Hannah's prayer involved the vow. It involved the vow. She said, Lord, if you give me a son... I'm going to give him back to you, and no razor will ever touch his head. Uh, now, 
I, I just, uh, uh, this is confession time now. I, I just uh, 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 made a vow to the Lord. I just made a vow to the Lord. See, about seven, eight hours ago, I wouldn't be able to stand up here and talk. I, I, I was voiceless. I, I, uh, I, I, and, and some of you who know my voice know that uh, uh, I'm, I'm still not at 100%. But I'm better than I was seven, eight hours ago. I made a vow. Lord, give me my voice. I need to be at Ipsy Free tomorrow at 10 o'clock. If you do that, I'll be there. It's all right to make a vow. And I don't want a show of hands, but... How many of you have made vows before in your discussions and prayers with God? How many of you have said, Lord, how, how many of you have uh, say, been in college or high school? Lord, if you help me pass this test. Okay, okay, okay. Now, 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 now see, see, you got to do your part. You got to do your part. You need to what? You need to study. Before you say to the Lord, Lord, if you help me pass this test. How about this one? Lord, if you give me that man or if you give me that woman. Okay, let's, let's be honest now. Okay? Am I talking to some real people here? If you give me that man or if you give me that woman. I will serve you the rest of my life. Now, you sitting up there being all pious. I'm coming down your pew. Just, just give me a second here. Here, this, this covers just about all of us, if truth be told. Just recently, they had a billion-dollar lottery. Come on, y'all, y'all, now y'all looking at me like I got three heads. <laughs> billion-dollar lottery. How many of us made vows that, Lord, if you give me the numbers sufficient to win that billion-dollar lottery, FC Free will be on easy street for the rest of their lives. We make vows, don't we? We make vows. And it's all right to make a vow if you're able to fulfill it. Hannah made the vow. Give me a son. I'll give it back to you. And no razor will touch his head. You see, Hannah prayed from the depths of her heart. The scripture says, and we didn't read this, but maybe we should. Uh, Let's go on to verse 12. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth... Hannah was praying in her heart. Her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Sometimes we have to pray from the depths of our heart about issues and problems and difficulties in our lives. And you know what? 
you may look a little strange to that person who may be observing you. So it was with Hannah. As she was praying, her lips was moving, but he didn't hear an audible voice. And he concluded as a result of that that she was drunk. First of all, you don't want to pray for show anyhow. When, when, when I'm praying, if I need to get a prayer across, I think we can all agree. If we, if we need to get a prayer across, we don't care. That, that mascara will be dripping. Come on, come on. We'll be slain out on, on, on the floor. We, we don't care. We want to get that prayer across. And that's the most important thing. Regardless of what people may say, honey, did you see how she looked when she was praying? No, no. You're talking to God. You're not talking to people. You keep praying. You keep seeking. You keep knocking. And then finally, Hannah praised God for answered prayer in chapter 2 of 1 Samuel. And we won't read that, but, you know, it's something to be said. It's something to be said about being thankful. Amen? Oh, y'all quiet now. There's something that needs to be said about giving thanks when God answers your prayers. Now, how many of you, again, no no raising of hands, but how many of you have helped someone during a crisis situation, maybe pushed them out when they were stuck in the snow, gave them money when when they fell on hard times, and they never said thank you? Now, now don't, don't, don't sit up here all pious and everything on me on, on this one. You, you think about that. Now, I get it. You're not doing it for the thanks. Okay, that's all the nice cliches and everything. But there's something to be said about giving thanks. Not just when God answers our prayer and then we go about our business to the next time we fall into a crisis and he answers our prayer again and we go to the next, never saying thank you. There's something to be said about giving thanks. You you, you remember the story of the ten leopards in Luke chapter 17, I believe. Ten leopards. Let me refresh your memory. Ten leopards, a contagious, deadly disease of of that day. They saw Jesus coming. All ten of them ran up to Jesus. Heal us, Jesus. Jesus said, go, show yourself to the priest. And the scripture says, as they were going... They were what? They were healed. They were healed. What happened next 
is the point Jesus is making. One out of the ten, I can imagine them all jumping around, holding each other's uh, uh, arms and, and jumping around and having a great time when they learned that they were healed of leprosy because that was, a, that was an incurable disease of that day. But one, one said, hey, I'm healed. I'm going back to the one that healed me. Went back to Jesus. Jesus said, hey, were there not what? Were there not 10? Where are the others? Go, your, your faith has made you whole. There, there's something to be said about giving thanks when you've prayed and God has answered your prayer. Uh, uh, enough said about that. So we, we see Hannah prayed specifically for her son. Her prayer involved a vow. Hannah prayed from the depths of her heart. And Hannah gave thanks for the answer to our prayer. But, but let's move on. Let's go to Hezekiah. Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, served 29 years in Jerusalem as the king. He got word. He was ill. He got word. How, how, let, let, let me put it in these terms. How would you like someone to come up to you and say, hey, Get your house in order because you don't have much time to live. Oh, thank God that doesn't happen. But it happened to Hezekiah. The prophet Isaiah. Well, well let's read that, shall we? Uh, 2 Kings chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you're going to die. You will not recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept. Bitterly. It's nothing like praying when you're in crisis. When you've been given the word that you have a terminal illness. When your children have been involved in a situation that's painful. When your boss comes to you with a pink slip. How many of how many of you know what a pink slip is? And, and says, huh, thanks for your service, but we don't need you anymore. It's nothing like learning how to pray in a crisis. So it was with Hezekiah. What can we learn from that prayer? First of all, first of all, he directed his prayer to God. Now, you, you would think, duh, that, that's right. But, 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 but you see, Hezekiah could have first of all said, Hey, guys, I'm the king. Get me to the nearest hospital. Get me the best service that, uh, that money can buy because I'm the king of Jerusalem. No. 
he turned his face to the wall, the scripture says. In other words, he prayed to God when he, was, when he received word that he was about to die. He prayed to God. Folks, that's what we need to do as well. We need to pray to God. In crisis, in non-crisis, at all times, folks, in everything, we need to pray. Pray, the scripture says, without ceasing. So, <coughs> excuse me. So, he prayed to God. Secondly, he pleaded his case to a faithful God. You know, it's all right. God is omniscient now. We know that. God is omniscient. But it's all right to say, Lord, your servant has tried to serve you as best I know how. I've come to church, Lord. I've given of my tithe. I, I've even uh, led in uh, some of the community groups. I greet people. I, uh, I, I even give uh, to uh, folks on the street. It's all right. It's not like God doesn't know. But it's all right to plead your case before God when you're facing a crisis. And so it was with Hezekiah. He pleaded his case to a faithful God. But thirdly, he prayed with emotion. It said he wept bitterly. You know, it's all right, folks. It's all right to cry when you're praying. It's, it's all right to laugh. It's all right to be sad when you're praying. You can have a myriad of emotions while you're praying. God created you. You're talking to God. He knows your being. He's not shocked. He's not saying, oh, Raymond is crying now. It's all right to show emotion when you come to the throne of grace. Whether you're in a crisis or not. It's all right to show emotion. And so it was with Hezekiah. Can you blame the man? He's been told that to get his house in order. And he's about to die. I think I would cry too. How about you? His prayer was short and sweet. He didn't go around, Lord, uh, uh, I'm, a, I'm about to die. Uh, 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 take care of uh, uh, Joey. Take care of Susie. Uh, take care of the kingdom of Jerusalem, by the way. Go over to the... No, no. He prayed short and sweet to the point. Lord, I've done all I can do. And he wept, the scripture said, bitterly, bitterly. So it's not the length, please get this, it's not the length of your prayer that makes a difference with God. You remember uh, the crucifixion? In Luke chapter 23, Jesus on the cross, one thief on his right, one thief on his left. You remember what the one thief said? Hey, Jesus, you saved everybody else. Why don't you save 
yourself, and hey, by the way, take care of me as well. What did the other thief on the other side say to him? Hey, dude. Now, now, now before y'all look for dude and, and, and the scriptures is not in there, you're not going to find it, okay? I'm, I'm paraphrasing now. Hey, dude, this man has done nothing. Referring to Jesus now, he has done nothing to deserve this. And then what did he do? Short and sweet again. Short and sweet. Hey, Jesus, remember me when you make it into your kingdom. Short and sweet, folks. What did Jesus say? This day, today, you will be with me where? In paradise. Short and sweet. Sometimes, folks, let's face it, we don't have, have time to have a long, drawn-out prayer. Sometimes all we can do is say, hey! Okay, some, some, some of y'all are following me on that, on that one. Short and sweet is sometimes the phrase of the day. So with Hezekiah, he prayed to God, he pleaded to a faithful God, he showed emotion while he was doing that, and it was short and sweet to the point. But finally, let's look at Peter. Let's look at Peter in, in uh, Acts chapter 12, and I'll read starting at verse 5. It says, so Peter well, let, let, let me set the stage here for you. Peter was about to be executed. He was about to be executed. The church started to pray for him. The church started to pray for him. Here's what it says in, 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 in verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Now let's jump down to uh, verse 11 here. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angels and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. They prayed and miraculously he was let go from the prison. You know the story. Verse 12, When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, that is, Peter went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door! What did they say in verse 15? You are out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be an angel. What can we learn from that intercessory prayer? First of all, that there's power in agreement. There's power in agreement. When two or three are gathered in his name, the scripture says, there he is in the mist. Folks, I don't know about you, but when I need a prayer to get through, I'm, 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 again, confession time for me. I don't come to anybody. I come to somebody that I know is mature 
in their faith and who are, who from, from, from what I can see now, we never know anybody, right? But from what I can see, they're walking faithfully with God. That's the guy, that's the gal I want to get together with and bow my head with and say, hey, I'm going through some things. I need you to pray with me. There's power in agreement. There's power in agreement. When we come together, church, and that's, that's what the enemy wants us to think, divide and what? Conquer. When we come together as a church, nobody's mad but the devil. When we pray on one accord, that's what the church was doing for Peter. They were praying on one accord for his release. There's power in agreement. But secondly, secondly, uh, they, they believed, you need to believe by faith that God is going to answer your prayers. When we come together as a group and we pray, we need to believe that God is going to answer our prayers. We need, that's called faith, folks. We're going to believe God to answer our prayers. And then thirdly, it says that, that we need to anticipate the answer to prayer. Folks, if we come together for rain, you know, how many of your, your lawns are brown like mine's? I'm now thanking God when I hear the rain coming down on my house. I'm, I'm just going to tell you the truth. If we come together as a church and pray for rain, I hope somebody, anybody, somebody will bring an umbrella in anticipation of rain. Faith, believing, faith, believing. So this story reminds us that there's power in agreement. There's power in agreement. Can, can you imagine? They're praying now. Here's the answer to prayer. Peter, been released. They're praying. Now, they're all involved in their, their, their prayer meeting for Peter, okay, to be, to be released. Now, Rhoda, the scripture says, went over to the door. How many of you know what one finger is when you're in church, when you're getting ready to leave? Okay? One finger, when you're excusing yourself. You kind of bow your head, right? And, and you walk down. Especially when, when I, I sit way up front here, so I, I have to do that if I need to leave during the service. You, you, you put one finger up and you, you, uh, you kind of excuse yourself with the one finger you're saying, excuse me, I need to, to, to depart. I can imagine Rhoda doing that. When she hears Peter's voice, what does she do? She doesn't even make it to the door. She runs back to the group And for crying out loud, these are the folks that's praying for his release. 
And what do they say? You're out of your mind. We need to pray with anticipation. When we pray as we come together as a group, believing God to do, well, to do the impossible. How many of you, and, and we can get some raised enough hands here if you like, how many of you have seen God do the impossible in your own personal life? Okay, a few of us have. Yeah, we need to anticipate that. Uh, so there's power and agreement. We need to have believing faith, and we need to anticipate. Anticipate the answer to the prayers that we have. So, so what's the next step? Let, let's close this out now. What is the next step? Here's the bottom line, folks. Here's the bottom line. The only way to learn how to pray is to what? It's to pray. You don't have to be a Rhodes Scholar on that one. The only way you're going to learn how to pray is to pray. Mark Batterson, uh, the elite pastor of uh, National Community Church in Washington, D.C., makes this quote. If we change the way we pray, everything changes. It changes the way we work, the way we parent, the way we lead, it changes the way we prioritize and strategize. It changes the way we think, the way we feel, and the way we speak. Prayer changes everything from the inside out. Hey, newsflash, folks. Prayer is more for us than for God. Because God knows all things. He's omniscient. Prayer is more for us than for God. But we need to pray. We need to continuously pray. Uh, I, I remember last Sunday, <clears throat> if you recall, Pastor Steve made this statement. And I quote, successful people do consistently what others do occasionally. You remember that? You remember that? Let, let, let me say it again. Successful people do consistently what others do occasionally. So, so in other words, you want to be successful in your prayer life? Then you can't come only to church on Sundays and bow your head and pray. I'm just saying now. Successful people do consistently. You got to be consistent. I, I'm talking about, and, and, and I know everybody's plates are full. I get that. Okay, I'm busy, Pastor. I, 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 I get all of that. But you know what? You're too busy if you can't pray. If you can't stop for a moment, set aside some time in your life, be it in the morning, in the evening, in the afternoon, to say, Lord, thank you. I love you. Thank you for being so good. Thank you for my health. Thank you for my children. Oh, the list is endless, folks. We know that. When we start thinking about the things to be grateful for and the things we can talk to God about. But we got to be consistent. Like my little granddaughter. It started out as Jesus God. I love it, folks. But now... 
she's going to sentences. It's not only Jesus, God, but it's a sentence now. And I hope that sentence will turn into Jesus come into my life someday and give her little life to the Lord. Consistency over and over and over again. So why not accept God's invitation to become intercessors? Why not? Why not be consistent in your prayer life? We're going to close now. Uh, and, and, and talking about prayer, let's, ju- let's just do that. Uh, if you would, bow your heads. Uh, close your eyes. And um, the question is, are you going to be an intercessor prayer? Are, are you going to go a little deeper than the norm? It's up to you. Nobody will force you. You know, that's, that, that's what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that is to spend some time with him. He desires that. Some of you need to just really give your life over to the Lord. He's beckoning your heart once again. He's, he's, he pull, he's tugging at your heart. Once you give your life to the Lord, you can just say, Lord, I've done wrong. I sinned. Jesus died for my sins. I accept Christ as my Savior. It's as simple as that, folks. Or else you can read from the screen, Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy, grace, and love found in and through Jesus. Save me and forgive me from my sins. I give you my life and choose to follow, love, and live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I thank you for the people of God in their attempt.